going on, everybody? Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter the Third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't seem to get the other two on this show, so settle for the third. <laughs> with the other two want to be on the show well it would be difficult for at least for one yeah 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 yeah. there would be some digging involved yeah and then for the other there would be an awkward 20 year later call so probably not we probably skip those (laughs) yeah yeah fair enough well we'll settle for the third and yeah today we don't really have an agenda written down i think the last episode we did was a few weeks ago and it was similar. Like, I don't think we, we just kind of shot the shit and whatever, but we're doing that again. Cause you know, whatever doesn't matter. That's the heart and soul of this show. Yeah. You know, we can't take ourselves too seriously having billionaires and famous tech people on all the time. Sometimes you just <laughs> have to listen to us. Yeah. You know, non-billionaires and non-famous tech people. Yeah. We have normal problems, loans and debt and all that stuff. And children. Yes. Yes, now I have a child. Finn is, let's see, a week and however many days. We'll say a week and a half. Yeah. Old. That's the last time you slept was a week and a half ago. Well, it's, it hasn't been too bad. Um, I mean, I guess we're going to, we can start with a brief whatnot on this here. Yeah. But yeah, so we have the snoo. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's like this bassinet that mm. kind of like moves back and forth and makes noise. Yeah. And he sleeps all night. Like we have to wake him up to feed him like we're supposed to, but he doesn't wake us up. So, oh, wow. I'm, I suddenly dislike you. <laughs> I want others to experience pain. That's, it's a strange thing in parenting. You know, you're like, this was terrible. I hope it's not good for you either. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there has been some pain. Like before we got home from the hospital, there was lots of pain mm. because, you know, I had to just basically walk back and forth in the hospital room with him all night he would maybe sleep like 30 minutes and then be like hey you're not holding me what are you doing (laughs) right (laughs) i've been peed on i think six or seven times now wow in a week and a half okay i'm learning though yeah let's put a pin (laughs) in a couple of these things sure sure because i mean you got to have all the things so i will ask about solving that problem here in a bit Okay, well, I'm going to save it because here we are. All right. So today starting with this. Yeah, let's start with this very nice whiskey in celebration of your fatherhood. Calame Farm. This is their 12 year single rack black. I don't know what that means. <laughs> 47, 94 proof. The mash bill is luckily they put this all in the bottle for me. Um, 74% corn. Oh, have another. Rye, 18%, and malted barley, 8%. And this is uh, a Bardstown distillery. So, you know, it's the heart and soul of it right there. Seems good. I've had one other Calumet Farms. Yeah, I didn't even realize that this was a 12-year. Like, right. This is some decent stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm pretty hopeful for this. I've tried one other Calumet. It was a 14-year, actually. I've ruined it with a large ice cube as... Yeah, per use. I mean, I'm on paternity leave, so I'm just I'm drinking it as I want. We'll be official again later. Mm. Is that a fancy Norland rocks glass? Mm hmm. Wow. They call it like the heavy Rauk tumbler or something. It is yeah. extremely heavy. It's like mm. a pound or more, like super heavy. I'm chewing my whiskey. Mm so that I get that first bit over with. Um, well, I should get some of those. Since these are like feather light, I feel like I'm going to crush them in my hands at some point. All right, now I'm going to take a real drink. Yeah, once again, I don't have any real flavor notes quite yet, but it's tasty. I think um, now that I should have smelled it before I tasted it. I have that problem sometimes, because then the tastes start to affect my thoughts and the smell. Because I feel like I'm tasting a little bit of like orange rind in there. Mm. Yeah, a little orange rind, a little nutmeggy, and then some leather. I feel like I'm getting some cherry and like I've never like eaten straight wheat, but like kind of the smell of wheat in a flavor. Okay. Interesting since there's no wheat in this one. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe it comes from the wood somehow. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever 
had like raw wheat. I had like some raw grains before though, like barley or whatever, like roasted barley. You get the like when you go to the Guinness distillery, they'll like let you taste some of their like roasted barley. Hmm. It's kind of chocolatey actually. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say flavor wise other than that. Like tastes kind of like a normal bourbon. It's pretty smooth. Definitely, you know, been aged a while. So that probably leads to the smoothness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that in your scientific opinion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say I'm not getting a lot of like range and diversity out of it, though. Like I really am getting so much of this orange rind kind of bit, a little bit of spice and then kind of finishes with this like leathery. Yeah. Like old leather belt, like an old leather belt. If you smell that, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I feel like I'm tasting. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of classic bourbon-y, like Mm -hmm. depending on how crazy the distiller wants to get are usually pretty mild, like, you know, it's bourbon flavor. It's not (laughs) like a rye has a lot of other flavors going on, but bourbon's just like, yeah, you know, I've got a lot of corn. I'm like kind of sweet. Not that it's bad. Might burn a little bit. Depends. Oh, no. Yeah. I think this 12 year mellows a lot of the burn, actually. Mm-hmm. Can definitely, high, being high corn and then 12 year, I think it kind of makes it smooth. Yeah. See, so I could see this as being like a pretty decent, easy sipper. I don't remember how much it was, but it feels fancy. Like the bottle shape is nice. It's like uh, squatty, but and like kind of thin and oblong. It's almost like the, what is that? Like Louis Trey expensive. Um, I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah. So it's like like one of those bottles, kind of like squatty, fancy wood cap adorned with a horse or um, <laughs> racehorse, it looks like, you know. So it's like yeah. playing into all that like fancy or nice kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it was around 70, I want to say. Mm-hmm. It was more than 50, but I know it was less than 100. Yeah, I would say if you wanted something, you know, you're having like, friends over for a nice sip before dinner or something. I could see this being like kind of cool and impressive. Yeah. It's not like amazing, but it's not, it, it's not bad to have around. Yeah. You didn't go get Jack Daniels. No, you didn't. You put a little effort in. Yeah. You put a little effort in and you've got, and it does have some, to me, if it, it tastes a little different than like just straight bourbon, it's got, mm-hmm. you know, this like citrusy aspect to it. So, you know, it's kind of nice. So maybe even summary in that way, I'm giving it six, six tentacles. It's above average. It's not amazing. Yeah. It's worth talking about, though. I feel like we need to solidify our ratings more. Yeah. Because for me, so I kind of rate in a category. So because this is a bourbon, Mm. like I don't like it as much as a rye. But as far as bourbons go, I think this would be like a seven. Okay. It's pretty good for a bourbon. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Instead of like just throwing everything into the whiskey pile and saying... As far as whiskey goes, yeah, that's true. I guess like that's my framing around it is uh, needs some adjustment. Yeah. Okay. I could. In that sense, I probably would bump it up a little bit. Then. Yeah. You know, thinking about other bourbons that I like, I think it would. Uh, yeah, it would have a bit more diversity. So okay, I can agree with that. Seven. It is seven for bourbons. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah. On a related whiskey note, I guess no one can see what we're doing, but I have all of these. Sagamore samples. All of these meaning three. Well, three, yeah. Whatever. But yeah, it's not like I'm trying, you know, a hundred. But basically we had, we went in order of darkness, just because I was thinking like the darker one would be the most intense. Mm -hmm. And we ended up going with the lightest looking one because the middle one was like, there was a weird like tannic aftertaste that I didn't like. Mm. And then the third one that was like super dark, like you could see pieces of like wood floating in it. It was so dark. Wow. And it was just too, too much. Like it even had like smoky, like scotchy notes. And when it gets up to that, I don't like that. Yeah. So we went with the first one. It's a sample number 79 dash 14. I don't know what that means at all, but it's more about like the barrel that it came from. And it probably would have been something like, Rick house 79 row 14 or something like that. Yeah. So we have, we have that it's like a 14 H 22 dash EO three. So there's, I don't know if you can read this, but it's like, Oh, okay. There we go. 
80% of it is like high rye and 20% is low rye and they pick a barrel of each, I guess, and mix them. Okay. So, and their, their fill dates were in 2014. So it should be a eight year. I can't math. Okay. Yeah. Eight year. I know it was at least seven, like all of them are at least seven years old. Okay. Well, that's, that's decent. That's a sweet spot. Yeah. So I think there's some clarification here. You were having uh, three samples of Sagamore from the barrel. Yep. So that you can make a barrel selection. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I guess I did not lead with that. Context. That's everything. Yeah. So we're, we're doing a barrel pick for, and we'll probably do like one or two of these a year, I would think, uh, depending on how well this first one goes, I guess. But for whiskey web and whatnot, we are going to have like a branded whiskey. So this will make, I think they said, if you do, I want to say if you do barrel proof, it's like less than 200 bottles or something. But if you do like you water it down some, you can get maybe over 200. Something. I don't know, but we'll, we're going to do barrel proof. Keep it pure. Yeah. And then you can decide on your own as Robbie does with a giant cube. Yeah. So this will be like, you know, I don't know who's going to get it or how, cause we can't just ship it to everyone because there's like liquor laws and whatever, but I'm kind of envisioning, you know, we'll, we'll definitely try it live on the podcast whenever we get it. We'll give some to friends and family and then the rest will go to like guests or, you know, people that if we do an NFT thing at some point, like, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. We'll probably reserve, like, say we get around 200 bottles. I would reserve like maybe a hundred and then you have like a limited NFT run of a hundred and they get like those. And then, you know, every time we do this, we'll reserve a hundred of them for those people. Ergo, we don't sell any whiskey. You've bought a membership and we just give you whiskey so like we get around some laws a little bit i think yeah they can just buy a membership for 1787 yeah yeah that's the exciting thing that we've been doing recently i guess yeah yeah i mean more importantly than your new than your new human is the whiskey barrel (laughs) so it's good that we discuss that well i mean both of them potentially make us money or lose us money so (laughs) it will be seen yeah (laughs) one's a longer term investment but yeah yeah so you were wanting to talk again about the bane of your existence that is monorepos. Mono you, you know, you have a hard time understanding why anyone would ever do that. Yeah, even more so now. So some backstory. Um, and we're potentially doing this wrong a little bit in this. It's like an extreme case, right? So right. we have this component library and every component is a separate package which gets insane. You know, like if you have a hundred, 200 components, you have a hundred, 200 packages. And at some point I'm like, okay, one of these is like a button. You could probably just bundle a few of these smaller ones as like general stuff. Mm -hmm. And you don't need a separate package for like everything, you know, but the way it's set up right now, everything is totally separate. And then like the one that I was working on needed some post CSS stuff because We'll just go down the rabbit hole here. So so it needed, mm-hmm. it had an image for a product, right? And we didn't want to set specific like 400 by 500 pixels or something. We wanted it to kind of grow to the container. But part of that, we wanted it to keep its aspect ratio. So I think it's a pretty, I don't know how new, but I haven't heard of it before. There's an aspect ratio CSS property. And you can say like one to one. So it'd be like a square, right? Mm-hmm. So we did that. And that fixed everything except for Safari because Safari did not have support for that. So the fix for that was like there's a post CSS plugin, I guess you call it, that adds a polyfill for that. So it basically does like what I would have done in the first place because I actually opened a PR doing this and they closed it in favor of aspect ratio, but whatever. The thing I would do is like you put a 100% padding on the top basically for like to save that space for the image and then move the image its height up or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the problem, I guess I should say what the problem was if the image was loading, like you have a bunch of different product images, like say a lipstick has like 20 colors, right. And you want to go through those. Then when the image was loading, that section would shrink down Mm. and then grow again as like you would load the image in. So we needed it to stay the same size the whole time. But yeah, so we fixed that with with like all of this stuff. And then I'm like, all right, cool. We'll use this post CSS um, polyfill. It'll like 
do the thing that I was going to do until we can remove it and then just use native aspect ratio once Safari supports it. And I was like, all right, I don't know a lot about mono repos. So there's got to be a way to like just build post CSS for everything, right? Like you want to say, okay, I have these couple plugins, like a common one would be auto prefixer or something that I just want to run for everything, right? I don't want to have to configure it 200 times. I just want it to run and auto prefix all my styles I'm exporting. Not a thing. Like, please, listeners, if someone is doing that, let us know how. But from talking to Chuck and talking to some of our fellow developers that are using lots of monorepos, there's no way to do like a global build on everything. You have to set a build in each package and run post CSS in each package. Yeah, you can have a global config, but you are going to have to update each of the packages, right? To like load the global config and yeah, and edit each of those separate things. Define a build command. Well, I will conversely challenge you back in this and saying that why would you have a component library with 200 separate packages? Then? Well, what's the benefit of going that way? Because then I can just, does it allow me to import just your button in my app and that's all I ever need? From you? Yeah. So it's to me, I think it's a little bit misinformed because I think the way I would do it if I were setting it up from scratch is I would have one package as a component library and I would rely on the framework I'm using to tree shake out the stuff I'm not using. Exactly. But I agree with that. I believe because it is also used by like some legacy code, which is like a Rails app, I think, and like doesn't have as fancy of build tools and whatever. They're doing it this way for some tree shaking there and some like flexibility to have different teams work on different packages and not have to like release a new version of the whole component library or something. So like they want, you know, the button team to just care about the button. Like obviously there's not a button team, but that's an example. It feels like really granular, like overly granular. Yeah. Like the first time I saw it, I had never seen a component library where everything was a separate package. And I immediately told them like, why are you doing this? Let's not do this. But they had a couple of things that they said like needed to be that way. And I I forget, I think it was mostly around like releasing versions and like, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Button version three, but talk about something and let me see if I can see what they said real quick. Okay. Yeah. Cause I just (laughs) feel like that's a, it's hard for you to, cast the idea of a mono repo as being terrible based on a very terrible use case and the offhand that sounds what that is the ideology behind a mono repo is like all areas of concern within the same space right so you're like okay i have apps in this mono repo and it's like all my uh front end apps and across a few, three of those apps, there are shared, there's a shared component library that's in packages, right? And then there might be some utilities that are shared across those components, a few of the apps, and maybe even like your backend, your server side services. So you can have like all your services there, all of your shared packages and all of your applications. And they're all going to use kind of their own stuff. And they would have all individual package files because the way they get to production is different for each one. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you want Lerna to say, I'm only going to release the stuff that changed. And Lerna can do that for you too. So that you don't, you know, do a release on the entire repository based on, one package change. And I feel like that is the use case that, you know, seems to work fine for like, if I want to test my app and I want to see it run end to end, it's nice to have everything in one repo and get all the new stuff and have one start command that goes across those workspaces or however you organize them. And then like spins up the entire app for me like that, I think is nice. Yeah. Instead of like yarn link and a separate repo and like weird stuff like that. So yes and no. Like my biggest problem is I don't think personally it solves any problems for me. It just adds more setup and like more tooling Mm -hmm. because you could write a script that's like open all of these directories and run yarn link and run yarn start or whatever. That's what Lerna is doing behind the scenes. 
They're just, you know, faking it. Yeah. I mean, they're like yarn, current working directory, flags, blah, 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 command. Yeah. Yeah. I guess one of the potential nice things, and again, I have limited exposure to this. I don't know if I'm just spouting nonsense, but like we have things defined in the root package JSON. So you could have like, you know, everything should use auto prefix or 10 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to define that in every package. So like that saves a little bit of work. But then again, if it were just one package with all the components, you would have that as well. So, right. Then it's like an organizational procedure, right? In a way, sort of like I can actually have this little space on its own that does work on its own when I need it to, but then also when I need everything together. Yeah. It's all together. I feel like it's, it's kind of similar to the way people are using like TypeScript right now. So it's like if your app needs it and like fits the use case, you absolutely should do it. Like same with mono repos, but like a lot of people are just, just doing it to do it. They're like, Oh, mono repos are like what everyone does. Like Ember is doing this now. Their, their new add on format is mono repos. (laughs) And I'm like, why? I don't need a separate app for tests. I don't need a separate app for all this other stuff. If I ever want to yarn link it to a thing and like test out an add-on, I can never do it again because it is a mono repo. I have to release a new version. Like there's probably a way to do it, but mortals like myself have no idea how to do it. Yeah. You're very adverse to following trends. And I think that there's a good practice in saying why, right? What's the point? But that's what I'm saying is I don't think like everything should always be one way and like everything should never be one way. I think that right. you kind of just use the best tool for the job when you kind of come across that. So just to, you know, set the record straight here, there are cases where a mono repo could work and be good for people. I'm not saying they suck all the time. It's my argument with everything. People use react. because they think it's cool. People use TypeScript because they think they like, it's the hotness. We need to type everything mm-hmm. like mono repos are cool because like some guy said, Hey, these are cool. If it's not solving a real problem for you, just remove that from your code. You don't need that. Yeah. I mean, Facebook kind of started this, didn't they? Because, like, all of their stuff is in one repo. It's like everything, (laughs) all of Facebook, everything ever is in one repo kind of thing. Oh, God. Is it really? That's terrible. I think so. Yeah, I think that's been the the big thing. It's like, oh, no, they just do, you know, the PHP, the JavaScript, everything. Like, I don't know if anyone ever used them. I think I only heard bad things about it, but like, I don't even know the terminology, like get sub repos or something. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Sub modules. Yeah. Like everyone was like, you should never use this. It's terrible. Like causes all these problems. You should split your stuff up because like you don't want everyone from every team committing to the same repo. And now we've gone the other way and been like, no, yeah, put everything in the same repo. As long as it's a different tool set that I made. Then you should do it. Yeah. So it's just, you know, everything goes back and forth. Yeah. Submodules was almost like linking or something yeah. in some way. Yeah. I remember like briefly having a like, I don't know, crossover with that. And I didn't really get it. I don't remember what project it was, but I know I wanted that for something. And I went, oh, submodules. And then I like read about it and everything I could find on it. Everyone said, don't use this. Avoid it as much as you can. I said, okay, I won't. That's fine. Well, see if you're listening to the crowd, the crowd says you want hooks and you want function components and you want mono repos. If Ember goes to function components, you're out. I'm just stopping all JavaScript development. I'm doing only vanilla JavaScript mm. in classes, maybe web components. I don't know. <laughs> Do any of the new players on the scene use? I mean, I guess not really. Right. Remix is, is react. I'm sure use classes. You mean? Yeah, they use classes. No, no one does. Well, but they will because it'll go cyclical in like three or four years. Someone will go, oh, my God, functional so dumb. Why do you guys suck? Use classes. And everyone will be like, yeah, those are dumb. Oh, my God. And it's like, <laughs> OK, I told you this like 10 years ago. Cool. Yeah. But, you know, Eric Elliott said class is bad. Don't do. And I guess everybody started listening to him eventually. I remember him having those like massive debates about it. We just need our voices to be louder. Right. And then then I will be like, hey, everyone doing what you're doing, please stop. Everyone should look at how it's so much nicer to not do that. Well, when we get rich from bootleg and whiskey, <laughs> we can start a campaign around that. Yeah. I'll just do like 
conference talks and I'll submit stuff that people would actually want to hear, like the benefits of a mono repo <laughs> and like write it up nicely. And then I'll get up there and be like, you guys know what is fucking terrible? Mono re- mono repos. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever done a bait and switch like that on a talk? I wonder that would be amazing. I don't know, but I, I could be the first. Yeah. And it'll be like your last talk ever. Yeah. It would be really, really hard after that. To like submit a thing. People would be like, no, I remember that thing you did. Yeah. Are you going to do this again? Wait a minute. Isn't this the thing you've been podcasting about hating? Why are you on board now? No, no, no. That, that's another guy. That, that's not me. Oh, no. This is Robert Wagner. <laughs> not Robbie. Yeah. Guys. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that guy. <laughs> that's some other Ember guy. Yeah. So to circle back, it's been a few minutes now, but the use case was, they said, imagine team A and team B use... C1, C2, and C3 components. And then assuming it's one package and released, like a major version was released with only C2 having a breaking change, imagine the teams working on like the other, like C1 and C3 don't have the bandwidth to address the breaking change that was introduced in like the release of the whole package. I don't think it's a real thing that like would be a problem, but that's what they're concerned about. I mean, I guess it's very considerate, but it is a very narrow use case. And it is also like in open source, that scenario happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is the nature of like not writing your own stuff. That's the, that's the cost of convenience, I think. So I don't know about that. Right. Like, and so they want to release each individual component. It just feels like a maintenance nightmare internally. Like it's worth it to you for that purpose. I guess if you're an internal tools team and that's all you have to do, maybe that's fine. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is like, we're basically building everything you would need for the legacy app and the new app in the component library. So like everyone is kind of only working on the component library and then we glue it together and yeah, I don't fully understand the legacy app. So there's probably reasons behind things, but yeah, I just complain when things aren't how I want. Right. I don't know that they've tied it in all that well with that explanation though. You know, mm-hmm. like imagine a world where teams A, B and C are working on buttons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of those buttons is breaking. What do they do? <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you. Like, really? Yeah. I don't know. Just don't update to the next major version of the package, I guess, until you have the bandwidth to address C2. Correct. Yes. Yeah. (sighs) But hey, everybody has their own own way of doing things. You know, when we release our NFT. Yeah. We don't have to worry about these problems anymore. I'm going to release an one. We can retire after that. A one of one (laughs) NFT of each component. (laughs) If you want the whole component library, it's going to cost you. (laughs) 200 Ethereum for the whole thing. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So I guess that leads us into what I had briefly mentioned to you earlier that uh, those that have been paying attention, we have talked a little bit about how I made Chuck buy some Shiba Inu and it tanked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have a couple uh <laughs> Shiboshi NFTs and they took a snapshot of like, I think there are only like 3,500 owners of like the 10,000. So a lot of people have like a bunch of them, I guess. Hmm. Okay. But 2000 of those 3,500 were whitelisted as like, you can buy land in this special Shiboshi zone. Cause they're doing like a metaverse thing. And I was picked for that. So sometime in the next, hopefully a couple of weeks, I will be bidding on some land and exclusive Shiboshi metaverse. I just and <laughs> wasting more money. <laughs> exactly. I think about that. They've created demand in exclusivity to give them more money Mm -hmm. for what? So that you can further entrench yourself into this club. I don't know. Yeah. I've kind of put like my following and then my time investment and all of this stuff kind of on a little pause. Like, yeah, she being new sucks right now. I don't know. I'm just going to leave it there. If one day it ends up being better. Cool. If not, I'm not going to worry about it too much. You know, these, some of these NFTs, like I've got the Sovereign De- Dengen and they showed my Dengen and I guess some stuff is going to happen later. I don't really know. I think it's supposed to be a game. Like that's my character in the game. And so they're going to kick off the game down the line. That's what I thought was kind of cool about that. Yeah. And then I have the Recur Pass, 
But I mean, this pass just lets me buy other stuff from them, right? Like, I haven't mm-hmm. gotten anything out of this pass. This pass has qualities and traits that have amounted to, like, dick. Yeah. <laughs> All it meant was I have a pass. It doesn't look like this other pass, but we both get to just buy some stuff from them. So there are actual benefits, but I think to the layman who's not like going to spend all day figuring out what's worth what. Yeah. It's not that beneficial. Like from what I read in like the couple seconds, I read some of their emails. It basically allowed you to like for the college basketball stuff, they have like a pack of, I don't know how many we'll say like 10 basketball cards, whatever. Yeah. If you had the pass, you got to buy them early and you were guaranteed like a rare case or something. Although those rares, it's different from the general public. Yeah. But you have to be like ready to go too. like, oh, yeah. I remember getting the email, click the button and the rares were gone like 30 minutes after that email came. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, people are. And so, you know, for the regular person like me who like has a life and doesn't check their email every two seconds and isn't like waiting, maybe we should just write, uh, write bots to like buy this shit. The second thing pops up, maybe that would be easier. Yeah, people do that, but like then you might end up with a lot of stuff you don't want. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's hard to say, but I, I think I still believe in the utility of the technology. I do believe that there is something there and people are just going to keep getting more clever in the way that they apply that and there'll be more security down the line and stuff. But yeah, there's just way too many rug pulls these days to like, yeah really make it all worth something. I am curious about like, assume you're back in whenever baseball cards were invented, right? There was probably one company that had them for a little bit. And there were probably a lot of companies that were like, wow, people like this. And then like a lot of those probably cease to exist. Right. So it's, you're kind of in the same yeah pool right now of like, everyone's like, Hey, I don't know which one's going to be like a Mickey mantle rookie card. So we're just going to buy everything and assume that one of them is going to be worth like $30 million one day. Yeah, totally. And I mean, that's fine. Yeah, most of them won't be. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it is. And so like being a bit more, I think, like mindful of what I get involved in, I think. Like getting into a club that allows me to give them more money to own other electronic things is sort of like, I don't know. I don't care enough. Maybe if they were soccer cards, I would have been like, I'm all into it. Oh my gosh. I'm going to buy these other, I won't, I want my Ronaldo card. And you know what? And maybe that's just what it is. You suddenly became a redneck when when you wanted to buy those. Yes. I mean, do you know a lot of soccer fans? They all sound like that. So really, I would have assumed they'd be like, Oh yes, I like the football. I would like to buy these cards. Yes, yes. Your your detector of sarcasm is askew at this point. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Like, yeah, perhaps like if I would have been able, you know, buy a pack of car of like cars. I want to collect the cars, right? I want the NFTs of cars. I want certain editions of cars, things that I'm actually interested in. Maybe that's what I'm waiting for. Maybe there's that because I do still have the recur pass. I'm not selling it. Yeah, I just haven't participated. I haven't been excited about the offerings thus far. Yeah. So it's probably subjective. Most of these, like, they're just fun. Like, maybe it'll be worth something. Because, you know, imagine the pass eventually gets you access to a thing that's actually worth money, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a finite amount of these things, and they're worth, like, $100,000, and you get the first bid at them. Then, all of a sudden, the pass becomes worth twenty grand just to get a chance at these things. So... Yeah, yeah. It'll be cool if it like the pass gets you a chance to buy like only pass holders get to buy tickets to this event or something. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see Chris Rock come and do stand up here <laughs> and uh, yeah. I want to buy a smack in order to get one <laughs> to get a chance. Yeah, I saw. Um, I don't know if you were reading the tweets about that a little bit, but the best one was like, uh, why did Will Smith use an open hand? When he hit him. Because paper beats rock. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was great. I loved that. That was so smart. Yeah. I had to look up some. I was like morbidly curious about what was, you know, going to go on there and was it for real or whatever else. Yeah. I still think like, I mean, aside from him potentially like losing his Oscar, that it was a publicity stunt like for everyone involved. I don't know. I don't think he'll lose the Oscar. I think that the effort 
applied to gain, you know, the art artistic recognition exists. I think that he won't be allowed to attend for a while. Yeah. Things like that. I mean, there's gotta be some repercussion. You can't just, why I don't think it's staged is because of uh, the danger it starts to present to other comedians now, right? Like you're, you're basically saying that's an okay thing to do. If you don't like what the comedian says to you, Oh, if you get ripped on by the comedian and they make fun of the audience all the time, it's like kind of part of it. Mm -hmm. Then you get to hit them and you can't really like normalize that. Yeah. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because I try to stay not super political on this podcast. It's not politics. It's just, no, no, let me finish. (laughs) I was going to say, I think there will be a day where all comedy is not allowed Mm. because all comedy is at the expense of someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like if we're going to say you can't make fun of, you know, X, Y, Z people, then you essentially like, if you walk into a room and be like, Hey, your shirt's dumb or something like, yeah, you just, you know, made fun of that person. They don't like that. Like, so eventually I don't know how it's going to be a business like one day, but yeah, I think it's under threat. I mean, stuff with Chappelle too, right? Like mm-hmm. same thing, kind of threatening the ability to criticize. And sometimes criticisms you don't agree with or you don't like, and that's fine. But that's freedom of speech, isn't it? Like even if somebody says something yeah. you don't like, it doesn't mean they can't say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why Netflix like stood behind everything he did because they were like, you know, he can we don't necessarily agree with what he did, but like we are going to keep it up and he can say what he wants. So voila. Yeah. That's very whatnot. He's serious. Whatnot. <laughs> Stay tuned again for serious. Whatnot. Our spinoff podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a contradiction there, right? Like serious. Whatnot. Serious. Random bullshit. Yeah. Today on serious. Whatnot. <laughs> When I drove to L.A. like last month, I started listening to this podcast called Darknet Diaries. And it's kind of like so my wife like watches and listens to a bunch of like true crime and murder podcasts and all that stuff. And it's kind of like Mm -hmm. the nerd version of that stuff. So it's like all these like crazy Internet crimes and stuff and the, the stuff going on on the dark net and whatever. It's very interesting. Highly recommended also like very privacy focused too it's sort of like all these crazy things happen if you don't protect your privacy (laughs) oh my gosh why am i protecting my privacy more (laughs) the only thing i've done thus far is get an rfid wallet Mm. rfid protecting wallet so people can't steal my credit card by like walking next to me just don't have a a touch credit card apparently by a certain date like uh, one of the companies announced like by 2025 mastercard will no longer have a magnetic stripe so you just can't it doesn't matter yeah that's what we need yeah. Anyway, that was my what naughty thing and, and plug for Darknet Diaries. Yeah. I'm sure he listens to this one, so he'll be very excited to hear. Yeah. I feel like I had several what naughty things, but I guess one of them, I should hopefully be getting my truck next week, finally. Mm. Wow. Oh, yes. I forgot that thing existed, kind of. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Your <laughs> 60s truck that you bought in. Almost never drove because it had to basically get rebuilt. Perfect. Yeah. And what was ironic is like when I went to, so I bought like a vintage looking radio that has like Bluetooth and stuff. And so I took that mm-hmm. to them to get it installed. And uh, they showed me around like all of their stuff they've been working on. And um, they have a ton of stuff in there. And like there was one that uh, this guy had, he bought like a, they paid like 200 grand for a Viper, I think, or something. Okay. And I don't know anything about it. I just saw like, he was like, yeah, we offer this, uh, this bubble treatment. And I was like, what is the bubble treatment? They basically like put it in this giant inflatable bubble and circulate air in it. Okay. And I'm like, okay, so one, why? Like, does it keep it from getting dusty or like, I don't really understand, but then like also wouldn't you drive it outside at least once or twice and it would get some dust on it? And he was like, no, this guy will never drive this outside. Like it will be in the garage all the time. And I'm like, okay, well I guess that's yeah. Settles that then. (laughs) He just has it. Yeah. I'm really opposed to trophies, but anyway, well, yeah, I mean like buy a car you like, right. And spend as much as you want on it, but then also enjoy it. Don't just look at it. Like, 
Yeah. It wasn't built to sit in a bubble. No. Right. Like, yeah. But I guess that was, I got off on a tangent on that. So like next to the bubble, <laughs> they had, uh, they were telling me about like, yeah, we're doing all these builds now where we just like take the base of like a Corvette, right. And just like drop the chassis on it. Like, so you take all the old shit out and you just be like, all right, new car, but like old chassis. Mm-hmm. And I was like, with all that I've spent on my truck, why didn't we just do that? Like, this would have been so much faster and like a better end result, but it is what it is. They're mechanics, not salespeople. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't know what you want. I don't know what to say. So is this place in Middleburg? No, they're in uh, Chantilly. You have to share the name of this place. I'm very intrigued. I can plug them. I mean, okay. It's a uh, pro speed auto works. Pro speed auto works. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can like, and they do good work. Like it's not like they were scamming me, but I think you are a little bit right. And like, I was like, fix, you know, these 10 things, they, they're not going to suggest an alternative. That's like rip out these 10 things and put in something else. They're going to fix the 10 things. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got there. They can't be faulted. They can't be faulted for you told them a, you gave them a punch list of 10 things and they were like, great, we'll do that. Yeah. They weren't like thinking ahead of, well, what about a brand new undercar? I have seen that before though. Like, yeah, you basically like get a whole new car internally and then it has the look of, you know, a 67 Camaro or whatever it is. Right. Well, I think a lot of people probably want what I did. Like they want it to be authentically like feel the same as, you know, when it came off the factory floor, just like replace it with new versions of those things. Yeah. But I don't care that much. I just, I like the way it looks. Yeah. You can go ahead and just rip everything out. Like, I don't care. Yeah. You can have some creature comforts or whatever. You're, you're fine with that. Well, yeah. Now you've learned for your next truck. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, because now <laughs> you've maintained the historical relevance of that truck and it probably more valuable in the way that you did right. it. So if you decide to like go down a different path, you're like, okay, right now I know I can do this other thing. Yeah. Bubble treatment is very interesting Yeah, in the realm of cars. So when I went to LA, one of the things I did, it was go to the Peterson automotive museum in LA. Very cool place. I've been there a couple of times before and they're always changing cars and stuff, but I took their vault tour. So you get to go down in the vault, a bunch of stuff that they're storing and see all kinds of crazy cars. Like they actually had Saddam Hussein's armored Mercedes, uh, limo. Ooh, like, Weird stuff like that. Cars that have been in movies like Ecto-1 and the Batmobile stuff and things like that. Some interesting Porsche and some race cars and stuff. Um, We were lucky enough. They were like ending a supercar exhibit and bringing some of the cars down. Or, you know, there's there's lots of people around L.A. that have like private collections that they'll loan stuff to or store there in the Peterson. And there was an Enzo Ferrari that they drove down into the vault (laughs) while we were there. It was amazing sounded incredible like just nuts f1 race car with like that cool red and recommended the peterson automotive museum i'm working on my uh my voice career i could pivot <laughs> we'll do voiceovers instead of coding yeah if celebrities would stop taking all the good voice jobs in cartoons that would be <laughs> great for the rest of us you're gonna be in secret life of pets three you know? <laughs> yeah, because didn't like Patton Oswald take over that main character from Louis C.K.? He got me too'd uh, from the first one. Louis C.K. was in the first one, and I think Patton Oswald ended up having to take over for the second. Yeah, I know he was in it. I know Patton Oswald was in it, but I don't remember who Louis C.K. was in that. In the first one, Louis C.K. was the main little dog, and like the big dog was oh, like, really? trying to take over. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So he definitely got replaced then. <laughs> yeah. It's not in the next yeah. one. So let me ask you, am I canceled? He was. Yep. Answer yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, we could probably get Will Smith to come on here now because he can't do any acting anymore. So, yeah. I don't think he needs to do anything for the rest of his life. Yeah. True. He can just ride around on his big yacht and, you know, do whatever. Right. Big Willie style. Mm hmm. Whatever that is, you know, just whatever it is, that's what he can do. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see where that all goes. But yeah. Speaking of which, have you uh, watched his new show, like Bel Air or whatever? 
no, I am not interested in the dramatization of the Fresh Prince. Like I liked that show as a kid because mm. it was funny, right? Like, and you're lo- losing all of those aspects. So like turning it into a serious story, I really thought it was like an SNL parody when I saw that at first. <laughs> so, you know, I take my entertainment very seriously. I've been on like another binge run of hot ones lately mm-hmm. i'm just really i i don't know i find that show very satisfying <laughs> but you won't watch a drama i mean we'll watch some dramas i just don't want to watch like right. that drama true yeah i just thought it was a parody and so i just can't take it seriously but i know what i'm getting with hot ones i know i'm gonna laugh he's actually a pretty good interviewer too and then like putting people under duress going through those sauces mm-hmm. seems pretty interesting and it's kind of funny I think I'm inspired to try and do like a hot ones party. Like have some people over do the 10 wings. I actually found online. You can get like the sauce. There's like a company where they like curate season 10s sauces and it's the 10 different sauces. So as long as it includes Hmm. the bomb, then I very much want to do this. Maybe we should do a podcast. We could get everyone from ship shape on. Okay. And we'll give them all wings and go for it. Okay. I kind of like this actually as also a podcast. I do still want to do it in my personal life, but I think oh yeah, we, that can be the whiskey web and whatnot. That is like the, for one time taken over by the hot ones concept. And then we can just ask each other questions like weird questions. You just like eat the hottest wing. And then someone's like, what's type of null? And you're like mm-hmm. dead and you, you can't answer it. I don't know what you're saying. Uh, undefined. Uh, <laughs> my response is undefined currently. Um, yeah. Uh, you're in the wrong closure. It's not defined here. Another like geeky things. Yeah, I can be into that. Yeah. I like theme parties. It used to like be a funny thing that I would do when I was younger, like younger, like in my late 20s, early 30s. I had a grilled cheese party once. So like set up a bunch of griddles and stuff. And I made a few soups. Like, you know, your tomato soup and I don't remember, but there was like a couple of soups and then like had a version that I was going to do and then invited everybody over to like do some version. Do a better one. Yeah. Or just whatever. So you had your like plain craft singles on white bread version and then like fancy ones. I don't know. I remember I think mine had like cheddar and Granny Smith apple slices or something like that. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever have those pies that would have cheddar cheese in them, like an apple pie? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's in theory sounds weird, but they're good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good mix between like the sweet and savory. I used to like fried apples a lot as a kid. Hmm. I've only made them once as an adult. Kind of not bad. <laughs> it's a good mix there. Oh, another theme party I had. Sock puppets. <laughs> you bring a sock. I had a bunch of stuff and you you would make your sock puppet person okay you made it there so we all make our stuff together and then you had to like use your sock puppet to talk the rest of the time <laughs> so anyway sounds fun yeah see theme parties theme parties are fun so, and i haven't done that in quite some time so i think hot ones can be my new theme yeah i haven't done anything in quite some time <laughs> and probably still won't like yeah pandemic is kind of cooled down now but now i have a newborn and i will not be doing anything for the foreseeable future yeah you got probably a good six months before you really kind of get to have a life again yeah unless you have a very generous family (laughs) well i mean yeah so they're they're kind of your typical like grandparents where they'll hold him if he's like calm but if he's gonna yell or like throw up on them or pee or poop, like he's <laughs> back to us. So it's like, yeah, it's helpful in the moment. Like I'm gonna take a 30 minute nap. You like chill with them, you know, whatever. But it's not helpful in like, you know, I want to take a trip. They're not gonna do that. So yeah, yeah. No, I get that. They're definitely not gonna be like, oh yeah, we'll spend three nights with your newborn. Yeah, no, no, they're not gonna do that for sure. And that's reasonable. It's the little things right now, anyway. Oh yeah, getting someone to hold the baby so you can rest. Getting people to like bring you a casserole those things are like really helpful yeah we made a bunch of casseroles so my parents came up like two weeks before he was born Mm -hmm. or i guess a week and a half and we just started making like baked spaghetti mexican lasagna normal lasagna like all kinds of stuff and just freezing them and that's been really helpful because we don't have time to cook anything (laughs) 
no, no. Right. And like your mind is mush and everything else. It's amazing that you yeah. were able to show up for a podcast and get freed yeah. to go to the office to do a podcast. No props to Caitlin on that. Like she's been good watching him and, and actually like in the middle of the night, she'll just change him and feed him and not wake me up to help with that, which has been amazing. Yeah. But yeah, today, like my one thing was I needed to watch him between three and four because Caitlin was going to take an hour nap. So I was like, all right, no problem. No problem. <laughs> so I'm watching him and like, she's like, you also need to feed him. Cause like he, he ate a little bit, but like she like pumped some and he had like more in a bottle or whatever. It's like, all right, yeah, cool. I'll feed him. And like, we've been doing, trying to let him like say when he's full. Yeah. So like he just eats and eats and like, he doesn't know how to stop. Uh... So like he ate until he stopped and I was like, all right, you're, you're full. And then I like, he was, he was like naked, like just wearing a diaper. So like I could see his stomach was like a bulb, like yeah, yeah. huge. And I was like, oh shit, like this is not going to be good. And we sit there like it's too much. Yeah. Like five minutes and he starts being like, Oop, like doing like the throw up, like, and then he throws up more than I've ever seen, like <laughs> come out of a baby. And I was like, okay, cool. So like, <laughs> cleaned all that up. And then like, then he like pooped right after that. And like. It was an eventful hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it came. You're like, oh, an hour. I could do that. And that could go any which way. You know, he could fall yeah. asleep laying on your chest or he could throw up and poop everywhere. Mm -hmm. You just don't know what you're going to get. But I think the uh, the things that I didn't realize we would use at all. It's like we got this thing called a baby Brezza. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm -hmm. And like it just sanitizes bottles and stuff. And we've used that like four times a day. Yeah. Every day. Totally. And like. I don't know. I've been like, there was so much stuff we bought ahead of time. That I was like, we don't need this. Like, what are we buying this for? And yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. And you never really know what's effective because I, everyone has an opinion. Everybody's going to suggest things, but like sometimes that works. Sometimes the kid hates it. Sometimes you were mm -hmm. like, nah, we don't need that. I mean, you just really never know what's going to be gold. I was going to tell you earlier. And so I'll bring it up now. Speaking of things, have you heard of the PPTP? Yes. So I, I knew that like him peeing on me was going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. And like, they tell you all the different techniques of like, like what we've been doing since the first time he peed all over me is like, take a wipe and like, you know, wipe from like his stomach down and like get him to pee in the diaper, like before we take it off. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that works. But then what if he needs to pee a second time? Like, mm -hmm. So I've just been putting that wipe on top of him, like so that he he just pees into that, right? And then, like that's that's what we've been doing. But your own little PPTP, yeah, yeah. I mean, I never got peed on actually. Hmm. Poop had, was a problem various times. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of like strange, crazy poop stories. Maybe I'll share some of those at a, at a later whatnot on the serious whatnot podcast. Series whatnot. <laughs> Don't change a poopy diaper in a small airplane bathroom <laughs> on the way back home from England. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, excuse the pun, shitty diapers. I think we had the Honest brand, which we were thinking like Honest is like, you know, a little more organic or whatever, like fancier. Yeah. They suck. Jessica Alba selling you some. They yeah. suck. Do not buy those. Like as a brand, they have good stuff, but the diapers are not good. Yeah. They're like, they don't seal right. And every time he would just pee out the hole on, like I'd be holding him and my whole shirt would just get soaked. Oh gosh. Yeah. So you're like, nope. So like stick with a Pampers or like something that's actually good at stopping leaks. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think we were a Pampers. We are a Pampers or whatever. We're, al we're almost out of that. Nice. Yeah. The honest sh uh, shampoo and, and lotions were good. Yeah. I think, yeah, well, we probably tried a few others, but yeah, their wipes are good. And yeah, like lotion. Yeah. Like, like it's a good brand, but their diapers are not good. Costco, man. Costco, everything. Mm. Oh my gosh. You can get like industrial wipes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Never run out of wipes. Go to Costco. We would have done the Costco diapers too, but we didn't really start doing Costco for baby stuff until a little later. And then Sarah was very bought into Pampers as being because she had accidents with other brands and was just like, nah, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm good. Yeah. I think that's like a, a scheme with the hospital because they had Pampers mm -hmm. and they didn't leak there. And then we got home and had our diapers and they leaked all over us. And I was like, nope, 
back to what doesn't leak. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Like, cause and the hospital will give you all that you want. I remember us like having, oh, yeah. like before we were checking out, we were like, yeah, load up this cart for us. And then we were like, we're taking all this shit. Yeah. They told us like, yeah, anything you don't take from this room, we will throw away. So we were like, okay. Like we just took like everything. We're like, yeah. you got shampoo. We're taking it. You got like right. all the diapers and wipes. We're taking those like everything. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, essentially, you're paying for them one way or the other kind of thing. Right. Well, I mean, imagine like being, you know, the new parents and you go in to change your baby and there's an already open thing of diapers. You're going to be like, uh, I don't know about like, so I get that they can't reuse them. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just like hospital policy and, and being hygienic and stuff. They don't know what you touch or didn't touch and all that stuff. So it's like clear it all out. Yeah. So other than babies, I, th- I forgot an <laughs> interesting thing uh, I was going to tell you. You might be happy. Yeah. So this last couple of weeks, Sarah and I have switched cars because she drives a lot more, taking the kids to school and back and grocery stores and like whatever. She just ends up driving a lot more. And the last time she filled up our SUV, she was even though it was Costco, she was like a little sticker shock. And so she suggested maybe we swap cars during the week for that reason. And I'm like, cool, yeah, I, I want her to not be afraid of an electric car. So, like, start driving it and whatever. And she hasn't enjoyed the last couple of weeks and it's gotten a lot more comfortable with, like, how it drives and it's torquey and that kind of stuff. But you can still drive like a normal human. On mine, you can turn the, um, you know, the braking thing is different. It's called, like, regenerative. Re- regenerative yeah. Bake. yeah, right. So, normal mode doesn't have regenerative braking on it just coasts but you can turn it on and off or whatever right so showed her that and now it feels more like a regular car to her so she's pretty like interested and i don't know if we've mentioned on here before but you and i are both on the list for the rivian you know when they release yeah. them to normal humans in 2028 with the old price yeah. yes with the old price thank you appreciate that for sure so yeah she's like yeah, I've been driving it and getting used to it. I think I'm up for test driving the Rivian when it becomes available now. Yeah. So I think she's like buying into the whole, she's thinking we might be a all electric household. Nice, nice. Yeah. So the thing for me, I don't know if you've looked into the specs on the Rivian, mm-hmm. but all the pictures look huge, like suburban size SUV. I know it's not that big, right? But it's bigger than you think, but they look big in the pictures. The specs, I looked it up, it's the same size as the Model X. Okay. So it is tiny AF. Hmm. But it's taller, right? So, like, I'm talking about, like, length. Really? And width is the same as the Model X. Yeah. So not as big as you think. I was going to say, they were bigger than I kind of thought. I've seen a truck. The truck is, like, like a Tacoma yep. size. Yeah. Not an F-150 size. I'd say it's like a little beefier than a Tacoma, but about that size. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, extended cab, right. of course, and all that stuff. So I was kind of thinking it will be like that, but fully covered. It's probably, yeah, close to that. But I think it's, you know, we were thinking like we had a Range Rover before and it's like a smaller well, Range Rover Sport to be mm-hmm. correct. So a smaller SUV. We were thinking it was going to be bigger than that. And I think it's not really is the thing. So we're like mm. kind of at the point where we're like, well, how is it even better than the Model X? Because that's what we have now. Yeah. So I guess you'll just have to see because I think I feel like it should have more. It should have more storage. Yeah. Essentially, the way our Q7 is like it's the Q7 is probably one aside from the Model X, one of the like smallest seven seaters that you can get. So. I see it as kind of like that in a way, right? Like it's really well set up. Most of the time you don't need seven seats. And so you get a lot of storage space, but then when you do, you have these like kid size seats in the back and all that. So I'm kind of seeing it like that. And if I can basically have what I have now, but electric, then that seems like a win. Yeah. And I think they were like, I was basically reading all this on Reddit, I think. And the, you know, consensus was yes it's kind of the same size as a model x but the volume is a lot higher right so like you know you sit up taller it's more like riding in a living room than a model x is and i like that you know aspect of suvs yeah so i'm still interested but i do think like before i was very interested to the point where i would probably just buy one and not even care about test driving it but now i want to go see it yeah see how big it is 
Yeah, that was my only miss when I was in L.A. because in Venice they have a store there. Apparently they at least like have some sometimes there. And I was like, oh, I should try and stop by, but I just packed up my day, so I didn't have a chance. My dad said he saw one, like the truck, just driving around here. Mm-hmm. So people have them. Yep, I've seen one in my neighborhood. That's it so far. There's a lot in California, but so are their employees, I guess, or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah, they sold all of the first, like, thousand to employees or something. Right. Which I think is fair. Yeah. If you help develop this thing over five last five years of your life, maybe you want one. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that, that many those many employees want to have it, I think that is a buy-in to, like, they believe in it. So, yeah. yeah. And it gives them time to test, like, software updates and stuff before I have one. Right. There you go. <laughs> But I think, like, uh, the Lucid ended up winning, like, Car of the Year or something crazy. Yeah. I think, am I remembering this wrong? I think, want to say they won, and they were the only ones to win it without having a car or something, like, since Tesla first put out a car. Like, they exist, but, like, people can't really buy them, you know? So, like, Tesla's original offering, whatever that was, I don't know if that was the Roadster or what the first car was. Yeah, the Roadster was their first car that came out. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there's Lucids. I've seen them on the road here. And uh, there's a store at the Scottsdale Mall. There's one at the Tyson's Mall, but I didn't think you could get them. Yeah. I mean, it might be pretty limited production, but I saw one on the road Hmm. not that long ago. And I was like, okay. Yeah. They have a lot better range, right? On like the higher end ones. Yeah. So they're, they, that's kind of their big thing is a 500 mile range. You know, it's a decent sized sedan. I would probably consider it like a, I don't know, like a seven series Beamer kind of thing, kind of size. Like, so it's definitely like, you know, a highway beast. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing for me. Like whoever can do more range is going to win because, you know, maxing out around 300 is still decent, but like it won't get you, but so far mm. I want to be able to do like a long trip where I don't have to stop and charge, you know, have you done any long trips yet? Well, no, I haven't done anything. Cause again, pandemic and new child, but right. But we will eventually. So, I mean, I drove out to LA and I made two stops and probably added about 40 minutes or so to my total trip. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I was actually pleasantly surprised with like the accepted inconvenience there. Yeah, I haven't really, I haven't done a a trip at all yet. So like, I guess I can't really talk until I have, but having chargers at like every sheets and Wawa is good for like, you know, everywhere we would go, we would pass at least one of those. So is that superchargers at those or? Yeah. Oh, wow. And you get lifetime or just a year of free charging. What is that? I think just a year. Like they, they got rid of the lifetime for all of, for like the past bunch of years my i think my dad's was the last one his was a 2019 or 2020 maybe so the past couple of years have not had that right i remember when the three came out and they said it doesn't apply to the three and then i guess they probably just went from there and they're supposed to open the chargers up to other cars too yeah eventually yeah so once that's a thing you know rivian will also be easy to take trips with so Right, exactly. Like, once you can plug in, you get the high wattage. And it's interesting, at least with a Porsche, when you first plug in, you get the highest wattage possible intake. So, you know, you go to a 350-watt charger, and it'll, like, a whole bunch. And so for the first 10 minutes, you can, like, get a lot of charge out of that and then go. And then, okay, I need to get closer to 100. Well, now i got to hang out a little longer. But really... I get the same thing for a year, free charging through uh, Electrify America, 30-minute bumps. But the funny part about it is you essentially at 30 minutes can unplug and then plug back in and go (laughs) another 30 minutes if you had to. But you don't, you know, it's not really a thing. Yeah, I mean, from my limited experience taking my dad's from here back to him, like we stopped once to charge. And it's basically you get out, you know, go to the bathroom, get some food. And by the time you're like ready to go again, it's fully charged. So, yeah, it's kind of fine i rented a tesla in england four years ago for my birthday and we drove it all over england it was exactly that you were like they have those like little like full rest stop things with restaurants and gas stations and all that and that's exactly what we did we'd like pull in plug to the charger hit the restroom get something to eat grab snacks for the road come back you're good to go yeah 
Pretty nice. Yeah. This is where America's going. <laughs> We're over time here and people are probably tired of hearing us talk about Teslas and stuff. But I just wanted to leave leave a little little thing here for everyone. Please check out our next JS episode to hear from a Vercel important person. <laughs> so wait, are we going to talk about view? We'll leave it there. Okay. Yep. All about Nuxt. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe. We'll catch you next time. Bum, bum, bum. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io. 